Liquid domain names are the types of domains that are actively traded in the domain name industry because the market value is known. Which categories are up, which are down, and what are the opportunities you should be considering? Stay tuned for the latest research and market analysis. First, serious about online trading? Secure your funds, keep your merchandise safe, and use a company that keeps the buyer and seller protected the whole way through. That's escrow.com. Payments you can trust. Finally, if you're a domain name investor, don't you have unique legal needs that require domain name technical know-how and industry experience? That's why you need Stephen Lieberman of Greenberg and Lieberman or Jason Schaefer of Esquire.com. Go search for Jason Schaefer or Stephen Lieberman on Domain Sherpa, watch their interviews, and you can see for yourself that they can clearly explain issues, can help you with buy-sell agreements, deal with website content issues and UDRP actions, and even help you write your website terms and conditions. Stephen Lieberman and Jason Schaefer are the lawyers to call for internet legal issues. See for yourself at Esquire.com or APlegal.com. Hey, Sherpa Network. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Tess Diaz, executive producer of DomainSherpa.com, the website where you can learn how to become a successful domain name investor or entrepreneur directly from the Sherpas. Today, I'm joined by two experts in the domain name industry who will walk us through their latest industry report entitled Liquid Domains Market Overview. I'm pleased to welcome Ivan Razkazov, part of the Intellium team, makers of Estabot.com, DomainIQ.com, and NamePulse.com. Prior to Intellium, Ivan spent a number of years in the finance industry, providing wealth management, investment analysis, and operations support. Also joining us, Giuseppe Graziano, founder and CEO of GGRG.com, the domain brokerage firm specializing in liquid domain names. Giuseppe was named one of the top 10 highest grossing brokers in 2016 by escrow.com. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Tess. Hi, Tess. How are you? I'd like to start this show with a disclaimer. This interview is not and should not be regarded as investment advice or as a recommendation regarding any particular domain asset class or investing course of action, all right? I know I put that on the page on Domain Sherpa, but if you're listening or downloading, just wanna make that clear. Um, before we start with the sales data, gentlemen, let's take a look here at the purpose of this report. This report has value, not only for people who are actually purchasing a you know, two letter.com, but also for really for any investor in this space. To understand this space, we need to have empirical sales data. This, uh, this particular report combines public and private uh, sales data, which we'll talk about a little more later. Um, but this gives, gives our Sherpa network tools both to understand the industry, to understand domains as an asset class, but also empirical sales data to share when they're discussing a potential transaction. Even if you are not buying a two-letter.com, you understand you know, that trickle down, um, that there are empirical uh, sales data here 
there also are on whatever domain you are looking to buy or sell. So um, without further ado, let's jump in. Um, Giuseppe, let's start with you. If we look at the aggregate value of all sales for the first quarter of 2018, did sales go up, down, or were they flat as compared to the prior quarter? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, actually, like this quarter, like the Q1 of 2018 was one of the best quarter ever recorded. So actually, that was like a very, very good, uh, very good results. That's fantastic. And you don't mean since you began your report, you mean since domain names were around. I mean, since we started our report, because before that we didn't have the data <laughs> from escrow.com. But yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see like how much like the, the sales have grown. And it's also very nice to see some patterns uh, that we kind of like notice over the years. Yeah, that's a big deal. I actually apologize. I skipped my first question. Huh? Um, so, um, you know, I just think that developing reporting for our industry and understanding there are market fluctuations, it's vital for the maturation of the domain industry. Um, no one else develops a report like you do, and, and really it's a gold mine. Uh, so you've mentioned in the past that two, five, and 10 year reporting will start to give a bigger picture. You're almost at the two year mark. Um, are you starting to see bigger trends more clearly, or is it too soon? Um, are you anticipating a special two year report, or you'll continue with the quarterly? Ivan, uh, well, sure. Uh, and first of all, let me thank our team here at Intellium of helping us put it together, certainly without the engineers and uh, graphic design work that um, I'm not here uh, speaking to uh, domain investors. So I do want to thank uh, our team for doing that. Uh, in regard to the two-year report, I think it's definitely important to measure trends. And it's almost hard to believe it's been two years, to be honest with you. Time flew by very quickly. Um, so it is important. It's a little difficult at the same time. Uh, the industry is facing a few challenges. You know, GDPR is coming online. We're not entirely sure how this will affect. So timing still plays a very important role uh, in the sense that when is the right time to come up with a summary report? Uh, and I think Giuseppe agrees. We do want to measure progress and give that information out to investment markets. But we have to be careful about kind of falling into uh, big events based on what's happening in the industry as well. Mm -hmm. Good point. And you guys are very cautious. I, I appreciate and respect that. Um, let's, let's talk real quick about the fluctuation you've seen this, this quarter, um, Ivan. Was there a single or multiple categories that were impacted the most? Well, in terms of if we look at the fifth percent of values, uh, the three L's have seen more kind of downside volatility. So there's definitely been some of the categories impacted a little more than others. Yeah, you know, and I really appreciate in your report, my background is not in investing. And I think so many people come to domain names with a variety of backgrounds. But I love right smack at the beginning of the report, you have your glossary of terms. You want to give us a quick um, definition here on fifth percentile for those who aren't familiar with it? Sure. sure. I mean, if, even if you want to go with it or I can do it. I think Giuseppe, you can go ahead. All right. So basically, like if we take, I'll just give you like a specific example. So it's easier for people to understand. Let's say, for example, for three letter.coms, they're Android transaction. If we rank them like from the first one to, you know, like the, the, the last one and like the 100, then we look from the bottom and we pick like kind of like the fifth in terms of like, you know, 
transactions, that's pretty much what like the 50 percentile value is. So in, in other words, it's a kind of a way to, uh, to see what is the bottom of the market by excluding also the outliers, the transactions that may be too low. So that's why we use the 50 percentile to understand what is really like an amount that you can sell a domain for uh, without considering you know, the really bottom out cases. So the fifth from lowest sale is called yeah. the fifth percentile and that kind of sets the floor, basically sets some floor pricing. Yeah, correct. We will look at the fifth or the tenth. Those are mostly like, you know, the two uh, indicators that define like the floor price as, mm -hmm. we, as we call it. Uh, so yeah, and for the report, for the sake of the report, we only use the fifth percentile. Got it. Okay. So Ivan, you just said the three L um, that would be, you know, domains with three letters in them, 3L.com. This whole report is exclusively.com um, because that really does set the trends for the market. Um, 3L.com has seen the most uh, fluctuation there. What do you see happening there, Ivan? Well, it's, it's a little bit difficult to um, get to the exact reason because if we look uh, at the data, we have both kind of escrow.com sales and public sales. You never know how much of that truly intersects. Having said that, uh, I think that we see some people willing to liquidate at lower prices. And again, that depends on the types of domains that they're selling. Um, how, what has affected, yeah, I realize that Bitcoin has been an issue in the past. Some investors have moved uh, to invest more in Bitcoin. It's difficult to say if that, and me and Giuseppe disagree a little bit on this uh, point. Uh, I would argue that once we're in the first quarter, once you have more familiarity with Bitcoin, futures are introduced. It doesn't have the same kind of novelty effect necessarily, unless you're dealing with investors who have encountered some losses because we know that Bitcoin prices have uh, sort of collapsed a little bit uh, in the first quarter and they have to liquidate. Uh, but, but there's definitely going to be some overlap between various intangible assets. Interesting. And Bitcoin, not only has that taken some investors out of the domain space or some of their finances out of the domain space, but I really okay. noticed in the 3L, which seems to be the most active market right now, that um, nine out of the 18 publicly reported sales have the letter X in them, which I know from, you know, my work with brokerage firms that uh, X for exchange, especially, I mean, Bitcoin companies love the letter X. Um, so how much do you think that is skewing? Do you think people should buy up .x? Three L's with the X in them, or I, Ivan, I see you laughing. Are you like, don't ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and, and I do want to give Giuseppe a moment, but I just, uh, it, it's, I've always kind of relied my analysis on fundamentals and long-term projections, and I know that in terms of trading and momentum, that doesn't always capture the investment return fully because obviously you can make a whole lot of money on the short end of what's going on right on the now. Uh, at the same time, I'd really, really want to be careful about just chasing uh, a trend that develops because you may not have control over when that trend ends and that could stick you with substantial losses. That's a very good point. Now, Giuseppe, you just got back from quite some time in Asia. Um, t tell us more on that end, um, uh, what you've been seeing in brokerage, whether, you know, I know just because you're in Asia, you're doing brokerage everywhere, but um, tell us a little bit about the three L's you've seen over there and the activity in the last few months. 
Yeah, actually, like it, it's so it's very interesting. Like one of the biggest trends that we've seen is that the market is really not like the end of 2015, where everybody was buying these very large portfolios and there was these very large deals. And like now Chinese investors are becoming very sophisticated and they started to look a lot more like, like Western investors. So they really uh, are careful about buying domain names uh, that have end user potential. And so, for example, one of the things that we were not seeing before is that I have like Chinese investor asking for like one word.com domain uh, in English. That is something that before we will not see it. Um, they're not as much active on the portfolio side, uh, but on the other hand, they're very careful and like they're really selective in, let's say, like, you know, trailer.com or like, you know, freenumber.coms. And we see a lot of interest like, in those names. And I'll just give you an example. Um, the only trueletter.com transaction in the first quarter that was disclosed was fo.com. And so that was bought for 510000 which is basically very close to floor price by a Chinese investor. So he's a domain investor, but he's also a cryptocurrency investor. Mm. Uh, and he's the owner of ICO.com, for example. Uh, and as soon as like, he bought the domain fo.com, basically he turned it up into... Um, uh, in the tagline is like financial offerings. It's basically showing like ICOs and all like, you know, the, the cryptocurrency uh, offering. So yeah, that kind of tell us like that the message is that they're really starting to become interested in domains that you can develop and domains that have a potential for end user as opposed to see domains as a stock because the price is not going up anymore, like especially mm -hmm. of like lower value domains. And because of that, they're becoming a lot more selective. That's really, really interesting. Maybe they're all watching Domain Sherpa and learning. You think that? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But you're right. It is. It's a real sign of um, sophistication within the market. Um, uh, last quarter, when Mike Seiger interviewed you guys, um, you're all saying that even though uh, it's a liquid domains market overview, and we're talking about short numerics and acronyms, um, there are brands like fly.com, which is a, a three letter, right? But that would push the average values of three letters higher. Um, lots of one words like you're just talking about now. Um, but the wholesale trading of those domains at market value, like the, you know, N, 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 or L, 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 um, was being pushed down slightly. Do you see that trend continuing? Well, I think that, there is a little bit of evidence of that. I don't know if we know fully, to be honest, but obviously if you're dealing with a 4 space and you have orbs.com, for example, selling for $50,000 in January, uh, that will tend to push trends a little bit higher. But at the same time, um, to be honest, we, we, we're not completely sure in this quarter. Interesting. Yeah, this quarter, the four letters, the four L's, seemed, um, you know, I only saw of the public ones, three out of, whoops, didn't total it, three out of maybe 11 that were one word domains, like edit.com was the highest, probably because it, it's a one word, right, mm -hmm. at 140K. Um, but then across the board, all the others were pretty consistent in their price range. Um, and, uh, and not, not one letters. Um, I mean, one words. So yeah, very interesting to see. Um, do you think, um, Giuseppe, there are other categories that went up or down that are notable that we should uh, touch on? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I think the most notable one is definitely the trueletter.com because it made this huge jump from basically no transaction recorded by escrow.com uh, in uh, the Q4 2017. It went up to over 6 million. So that was like a huge jump. Uh, the other category that we saw, it was the freeletter.com that basically went up uh, 50% from 2.2 million to 3.6. And also the other ones you actually were mentioning, which is the fourletter.com. So that one was very interesting as well, because I've seen, I mean, kind of seeing like in the first three quarters, like a kind of like a stable growth. So for example, in Q3 2017, it was 3.5 million. And then uh, in like last quarter, like, you know, Q4 was actually 4 million and this quarter is 4.6 million. So it's very interesting. You see like off and on there's like, you know, in user transaction, but the amount is slowly growing. So it's, it's, it's a cool trend to notice. That is a cool trend. Do you have any, any comments on what you think is driving that? Sorry, the, the, the audio went off for a second. <laughs> um, any comments on what you think is driving Mm, it's it's very hard to tell what is driving and what i can say is that i've not seen personally like from my experience like big portfolio transaction so maybe it's either like a lot of like small like one word domains that are actually being sold uh, and and one thing that could actually reinforce that is that the disclosed transaction for those actually went down so the, the volume went up but the disclosed transaction right. went down so whenever you see that that's probably an indicator that there's more, um, you know, end user transactions or, you know, one word as opposed to domains being auctioned or, you know, other portfolio deals. Yeah. So real quick, let's, let's tangent into that just to give our viewers a little background. So, I mean, most end users, especially if it's a publicly traded company, they prefer a private transaction over a public one. But the data that you're getting, you pull all the public data and escrow.com partners with you to help with this report where they don't share things they're not allowed to share, but they share data on private transactions just in terms of like some, num some numbers, like we had this much in 2L transactions, right? Right. right. So I mean, like escrow.com, like it does, you know, it's for, for it's, it's, you know, they keep the confidentiality as, you know, one of the priorities. So they never share any individual transaction with us. But what we do get is like the aggregate volume, uh, which is basically something that we can tell us how many transactions, uh, not how many transactions, but like the total volume, total sales volume of a specific category. I mean, that's tremendous. That like quadruples the value of your report because I don't believe that there is anywhere else that the average domain investor can access any of this information. I mean, if you went to a conference, if you, meaning the, someone in the Sherpa network, right? One of our listeners, you could go to a conference, you could meet a broker like Giuseppe, you could, you know, learn of something that he's allowed to privately disclose, but not something that he's under NDA for, and that's it. So, I mean, you could get this much more info, but because escrow partners with you while maintaining this confidentiality, you're getting this picture that literally no one in the industry has, right? And then you share this with everyone. Right, and it's important to do so because it allows investors to really know that there's a lot more life to the domain markets than they seem. You could obviously collect a lot of public data and see sales, but when you see, for example, $6 million in transactions and two Ls, 
something you may not be aware of that I think gives credence to domain names as an asset class altogether because end users, companies are willing to spend that kind of money as opposed to just looking at public data, which is still very important. And I encourage, of course, sales to be as public as possible to foster the industry as a whole, to help the industry. Uh, but it definitely, I think, gives some confidence and some credence to what everybody does. I agree. Yeah. And just um, kudos to both of you. Um, so this download is available for any of our Sherpa viewers, I believe, directly through our website. Um, um, and I'm sh do you want to say where you have it available? Uh, sure. It's on, you can go on ggrg.com uh, slash industry dash report. Okay. Fantastic. I mean, this is a huge service to the industry and you are building up the ecosystem for investors. So I thank you for doing this. Um, let's, let's jump here and look at, so the thing that I found most surprising in your report was that you analyze the development of domain names. I think, um, you know, most financial reports might not get into something like that, but the reason that we look at the development, um, I thought Mike Seiger said it really well, um, in one of his prior interviews with you, development anchors the value of a category. Um, just um, like we had a show on Domain Sherpa a few weeks ago about vacation dot rentals and what how the buyer was building that site out and that's why I mean we're not just doing it to be like oh this is interesting which it is right. but because it affects the entire GTLD class the dot rentals domain to have something big that's marketed that gets some mind share consumers recognize and understand it um, but more than that, um, it's, it, the domain itself becomes more valuable in the process. So it looks like year over year or quarter over quarter, it goes 2L, then 3L, then two character, 2C. They have the yeah. highest development. Um, yeah. That seems kind of like usual suspects, steady buyers, steady development trends. Um, Giuseppe, what more, what more do we need to know here? Um, yeah, I mean... I actually missed the last part because the audio went off for a second. <laughs> Sorry, it's just like the last, the last part, like usual suspect, and then that's. Gotcha. No, that's okay. Um, let's see. Um, I just said it seemed like the usual suspects. It's you know steady buyers, um, steady development trends. I'm just wondering, is there anything more we need to know here besides you know development is steady, so value is growing steadily. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the development index, it's probably like one of the most important indicators in the report. It's so important because it affects both like demand and supply. And mm -hmm. I'll give you an example, like it affects supply because basically if a domain is developed, it's much less likely that the company that is using it is going to put it for sale. And so that basically affects supply by limiting the amount of domains that are for sale in a specific category. And on the other hand, it also affects demand because while we cannot draw really um, a causality, um, a correlation between like, you know, development and like, user demand, if a lot of domains are actually developed by companies, it means that those companies actually like those domains. So we kind of can see a correlation between like, the end user demand in the future. Uh, so this is why it's so important. And that's, and that's why like, the recommendation I always um, give like, investors is, to look at categories with strong development index because that, like Michael Sager says, really anchors the value of a category. Yeah, that's very insightful. Well, very well put. I Ivan, did you want to say something? 
Uh, just to add a little, a little bit to what Giuseppe said, uh, and one thing that we're always looking to do, obviously, is evolve and improve the report. Something we may consider doing in the future is maybe adding a little bit of color to the development data. So, for example, does the site have a store, SSL certificate? You know, we collect quite a great deal of commercial data through the Intellium infrastructure, uh, partly for name pulse, but partly for custom engagements. And so we have a lot of this data, and I think understanding how perhaps some of that additional color changes over time can also add some value to domain investors because obviously if you have let's say a 3L category and you know it's well developed but you know that maybe not commercially for example there are not a lot of stores or credit card processing uh, done on those sites then that can also give you some interesting information so that's something we we will look for feedback and see if we can perhaps add a little bit of color uh, you always have to worry about putting too much information where you just you put so many numbers and graphs and at some point people just tune out because it's just it's a lot to look at but that's that 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 part is um basically the report is a living uh work so we will look to see if that makes sense that's impressive well my feedback i vote yes color <laughs> no it sounds you know especially like the ssl with upcoming um changes in chrome and Mm -hmm. um, you know, that is a real identifier, what kind of information is being transacted, how serious is the company behind it. Um, right. I, I kind of like, Ivan, you have like this little boyish grin when you talk about it. I'm like, what does these, the, you, I, I can just see the numbers going around in your background, you know, and, um, and you see what, what's relevant and not overwhelm. Um, I think, the, the, on behalf of the common man, I, am, I appreciate <laughs> the differentiation. So, well, presentation right. matters a great deal. I, I mean, as you guys are well aware, so you can have the best data in the world, but if you present it in a way that people can't really digest it well, uh, it, it just may not be as effective as you'd like. Yeah, well, your report is super digestible. I, um, I printed. I printed it to make it a little easier to look through for me. Right. And then I had two computer screens up and was pulling, you know, different, okay, he's talking about, um, or they're talking about these, you know, this asset class. Okay, what what sales have transacted here and there? Um, but it's, it's fantastic, it's super informative. And I think even for people who aren't gonna buy a 3L because of this report, they can speak more to the industry, to what's happening. If you want to buy or sell, you can make more informed decisions. And you also, in a way, you know what to look for um, be because this gives you a little education in that. So it's super cool. Um, Giuseppe, I, I, um, I, I know my next question is for Ivan, Ivan but I've been talking his ear off. Um, <laughs> let me, let me uh, I jump and ask you real quick. Um, the, so the standout, in my opinion, summary point um, for the last quarter, um, Q4 of 2017, that report was that quantity is out and quality is in. Um, and in particular, last time you guys talked with Syker about these Chinese investors becoming smarter, starting to look at domains specifically with end user potential in mind, rather than buying portfolios just like as a whole before, um, kind of somewhat blindly before. Um, so you've said you continue to see the market sophistication there. I'm wondering um, when, um, 
now so many sellers who are trying to sell in the Chinese market, um, how does that make the, your sales approach different as, a bro as you, know, you frequently broker to the Chinese market? What, how does that make it different for you, your approach? Right. Actually, this is like a great question. And this is actually has changed. Yeah, it is, has changed so much because uh, basically it's slowly transition from what it used to be um, like a seller's market where, you know, like if you had domain, like it was quite easy, like, you know, to actually find buyers. It's become more like to a buyer's market where there's only like few active people and they can be more selective or kind of domains. They have like a little, you know, a little more, more leverage on what they can buy. And there's, you know, still a lot of people that are looking to sell. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically how we change the market. So if, uh, aligning to buyers, it's becoming like, you know, better, you know, it could be like, say like a better strategy. Very cool. Now, when you're saying, you know, the market is a little smaller, just, uh, or, you know, fewer investors, just to qualify that, I mean, like 4L.com, you have almost 30% of the market is, is owned by a, a Chinese um, company or 2N.com, 41% are Chinese owners. So even though it's fewer, that's, you know, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also like, it's also interesting to note that, uh, you know, whenever you see those numbers, like let's say you see like 30% ownership by China, we also not considering the privacy one because there may be a lot of like private domains owned by Chinese investors, you just don't see it. But yeah, overall, I mean, like, you know, if we have to look at the country breakdown, we always see that um, the Chinese are, you know, are predominant in all like the numeric domains, you know, like two numbers, three numbers, four numbers, five numbers, et cetera. And instead, like the U.S. is still predominant on all the domains that were actually very developed. So like the chuletter.com or the freeletter.com. So for that one, U.S. is still first. Interesting. Yeah, that's an important differentiation. Um, now that brings us right into um, uh, on the, the last report on Sherpa, we talked a little bit about some registry data not being available for the report. Um, and uh, it can be you know, increasingly technically difficult to gather who is data. Um, I think last time when you said that GDPR wasn't even really on people's radar, at least it wasn't on mine. Um, and then at the same time, looking at your report, it seems like privacy is um, trending upwards, I believe here. Can you tell us, um, not sure which one of you, maybe Ivan wants to speak to this. Um, can you tell us about changes in consumer behavior with privacy? And do you see GDPR affecting both private registration trends and um, availability of data for, I think, very important reports like this one? That's just probably a very hot topic at the GDD summit in uh, Vancouver right now. Yeah, it's right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will say there's probably a lot of opinions and various points that are being hopefully discussed and not yelled across rooms. Um, I think that in terms of consumer behavior, we just have to look at the headlines. You know, we, we saw some technology companies get into some hot water in terms of the data they were collecting and selling. And so consumers will be very motivated by those types of headlines. And I think there'll be greater awareness in the short run about the importance, not just of data privacy, but also control over your own data. And so in terms of kind of the general who is, how will that impact who is, it's a little more difficult to say because in the short run, it should impact it negatively. 
Uh, we don't really have guidance from ICANN yet. Some registries and registrars are pulling data. I'm sure you're familiar with some of the bigger regist registrars redacting a lot of OIS data. Others disagreeing on what um, OIS data is private. I think uh, that IS doesn't consider, for example, email addresses personal information from what I recall and the headlines. So there's a lot of confusion as to what actually will still be available. We also know the United States and United States government probably does not like uh, excessive amounts of privacy uh, for domain names because it's difficult to research security risks. It's difficult to research certain transactions, things like that. Um, and at the same time, I don't know if the public at large is aware of monetization possibilities for domain names. For example, if I became aware that my domain name was valuable and I could sell it, I may be more willing to share some of the data behind who owns the domain because I benefit directly from that aspect as opposed to me worrying about a technology company that could use my data to profit themselves, but not necessarily me, if you will. So I think the long run is still somewhat unclear, but I think in the short run, uh, the difficulties probably increase. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. Um, and, and I am very curious to see what's going to come out of the current ICANN meeting. Uh, see what, I mean, um, are you worried, Giuseppe, as a broker about who is being affected and how that's going to affect your sales and due diligence? Yeah, of course. I mean, like we actually don't know what's going to happen. So like it's still very fuzzy uh, what's going to happen next. And of course, that adds to the uncertainty of what's going to happen. But I mean, as in any, uh, any of these events, there's both, you know, negative side and there's also opportunity. Um, so I will not you know, be quick to judge and see if, you know, it's, if it's a negative change or not. That, that clip right there, uh, that's, that seems to sum up um, your personality, Giuseppe. I think that um, is a great reason to um, work with you, right? Um, you're very balanced. Um, and then Ivan, I can't help but ask, and you can say whatever you like, uh, like <laughs> sure. don't ask. Um, but Intellium, I think the entire domain industry is wondering, oh, what about, what about, you know, what? What's going to, I don't even know how to frame this question for you. What, what can you say about GDPR? Is it ruining your life? Is it, are you, do you have like 10 contingency plans? Are you just waiting to find out? Because I mean, you have the best who is history of anyone. Sure. And we have a process by which we, that we keep our data. Uh, so certainly as long as we operate under U.S. law within full legal status and that our jurisdiction covers us under. We don't necessarily plan to change the way that we operate. Again, we do have a process that will be compliant if necessary. Uh, but to be honest with you, I don't know if it's truly kind of given us too much uncertainty. More, it's given a lot of our customers uncertainty uh, because we do serve a lot of uh, industry operators that include registries and registrars. And so when our customers are nervous, we're also nervous for them because our job is to provide them with solutions. So in terms of Intellium as a company, uh, it's really too early to say. Uh, I can't say that it's really, I've been losing too much sleep, sleep over. We, you know, we, we have thought about this. This is kind of like a two-year question, actually. Uh, if, you, if we go back to when GDPR was uh, first being discussed and implemented. But of course, I mean, we worry about there being less domain sales. We worry about uh, kind of, fragmentation in the industry. Our biggest concern, honestly, 
is fragmentation of data. So if the US decides to do one thing by itself, Europe decides to do another thing by itself, and everybody gets caught in a crossfire. We hope that there's dialogue, certainly between governments and institutions and parties that, that can arrive at an equitable solution that respects both the rights to monetize certain assets, but also the rights of people to control and own their, their personal data. Here, here, you should run for a uh, government. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, that's really, it's really good to hear that, that you're steady and stable. You've been planning for this for two years and, um, and you know, and things are going to be okay. That's, that's really what I heard. Um, right. And, and it, again, our biggest worry is more what's going to happen in the global world of trade. You know, there's a lot of rhetoric going on right now. Talk of tariffs left and right, you know, unfair competition, things like that. And that's very global. That's a global picture. That's not just GDPR. That's where the world is today. And so we're just a part of that, really. So however governments and nations come together to resolve it, I think everything else will flow, flow from that. I think domain investors are resilient in general because their nature <laughs> tends to be very resilient. Uh, and I also think that once there's a clear way forward, everybody will find a way to adapt. Agreed. Yeah. Good point. Cool. Um, so in summary, as we're looking into the future for domain name investors who are looking for the greatest upside potential in liquid domain names, um, and, and no, again, this isn't an investment show, um, what would you each like to add that we haven't discussed thus far? Uh, Giuseppe, you want to go first? Um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, if we have to, you know, if I would like to give like an advice or just like a recommendation to investor and, you know, of course this is not, you know, investment advice, but <laughs> I would be, I would go back to what we were discussing before and I would be very, very careful like with my investment and look specifically at development index. Uh, whenever there are domains with high development index, that's where the biggest opportunities are because as, as of now, uh, we've seen these two big trends of one, like you know, the fifth percent that's continue to go down. At the same time, the amounts, you know, the sales volume being the same or sometimes growing. And so that means that transactions are still happening. People are still buying domains and sometimes for like very large amounts, but it's only for the, the best ones. So that's why like look more at quality, look at more domains with uh, high development index. Uh, that would be my recommendation. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. And, uh, and I hope uh, on the other end, you guys put even more into the report about that to help people educate in that area. It's a great idea. Um, Ivan, how about you? Anything we didn't cover um, from the report that you'd like to touch on? I mean, it, it's a little difficult to me for me to forecast simply because of how incomplete the information in the domain markets is. But I agree with Giuseppe. In times of uncertainty, you tend to favor quality over quantity. That's just a general kind of rule of thumb. Um, and just look for signs of uh, the, the uncertainty reversing. So look at specific um, data points that could tell you that perhaps some of the riskier categories could be profitable. Uh, but generally, uncertainty means quality over quantity. Very, very good, simple methodology to, to look at it. Um, thank you. Thank you both. This, I think this report is phenomenal. Um, on a more personal level, you know, when we do like the Sherpa review and we have a panel on, um, we check in at the end um, to, um, with each person, hear what's going on in their own, you know, specific companies or personal life. And I feel like our Sherpa network has become so accustomed to hearing from each of you each quarter. And Giuseppe, I want you on the Sherpa review. 
you know. Right. Um, we'll have to, now that you're back uh, in Portugal, I think it's time. <laughs> um, so, um, so let's do it. Um, what do you want to share? New activities with Domain IQ or Estabot or GGRG brokerage or personal level travel plans, et cetera. Um, Giuseppe, you're up first. Uh, what's going on? What's new? You know, it's, like, it's funny because like you were saying, oh, yeah, I would love to have you in the Sherpa Network. And I would love to join. <laughs> I'm traveling again soon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go to um, uh, Namescon Europe in Valencia. It is going to be like in June. Uh, so, yeah, then afterwards, uh, I will go to, uh, you know, Italy, uh, just back home for a while. And then again to, to Asia. Um, I would love to, to come to Name Summit in New York, but <laughs> I have to say that. I cannot always open and close the case. I'm unpacking all the time. Uh, so I might not do that. And yeah, in terms of like work, we actually, we, we're launching a, a new tool, which is, I mean, I think this is, is, is amazing. It's, um, it's a tool for like liquid domain investors. At this time, we're like only at the soft, uh, soft launch level. It's called LXMe. Uh, but if anybody wants to know more and learn more, they can simply drop a line to ggrg.com and go to the contact form or just send me an email at g at ggrg.com. Uh, and you know, we'll be ready to launch probably later on this year. Uh, so that is, that is all on, on our end. That sounds super cool. Uh, sign me up. Do, uh, do I have to send you an email? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can send you back. <laughs> I'll send you an email. So, so send it to g at ggrg.com. Yeah. Very good. All right, that sounds really interesting. Um, Ivan, your turn. What's going on? <laughs> well, in terms of work, uh, in the first quarter, we finally managed to flip the switch on the new Estabot. So we've been working uh, for a long time on that tool. We added a portfolio tool, which you know, is, is a fantastic uh, utility for a lot of investors, not just because it organizes things, because it generates leads on a daily basis. Uh, we overhauled the lead generator to add developed domains. So really added quite a bit more power to ask about. So we're excited to see kind of how that plays out and how that develops. Hopefully it leads to many, many sales for our customers. Um, it's kind of hard to separate my life from my work right now, <laughs> just a lot going on. So uh, travel plans are, you know, every, every Christmas or so, I tend to head to the south of France. Uh, so I'm sort of looking forward to that, but that feels like two years from now at the moment. So, um, uh, I haven't had a chance to, uh, I wanted to explore Namescan Europe and there's a NDD Paris as well. and just haven't had the chance to break, break away. Um, we have a small and very busy team. Uh, I'd have to see about the name summit. Uh, I do recall last year it looked very solid. Uh, I know, I know Drew put some quite a bit of work and I heard a lot of good things about it. Um, it's just, Time, free time is such a premium right now. <laughs> it is, and that's okay, no pressure. Yeah, we're all, um, uh, all heading in various directions. So, um, so Estabot, yeah, you guys have this incredible makeover, so to speak, with mm -hmm. um, just, I feel like you added so much muscle, things that, I mean, I already felt like the lead general generator in particular was great. and. Is like literally beyond my dreams. Um, so talk to me for a minute about, you said you, now the lead generator looks at, so give me an example, like there's a domain and then within that vertical, instead of just pulling every lead from the who is, you pull developed leads because they're more likely to buy. Is that what you're saying? And, 
and some information collected from those sites because let's say if uh, who is worst case scenario right so let's go from dreams to nightmares who is disappears how do you contact uh, a leader or website owner well they have a publicly disclosed email let's say in the website that's developed that could be of interest so that's one area where which we added we hope really kind of leads to more volume more liquidity for domains as an investment class so that's what the tools are there for it's for everybody to to uh, help commoditize the domain market and really lead more sales very smart really um that's cool all right well um check it out um on my end uh, i was telling giuseppe at the beginning it is starting to heat up in phoenix um i have uh like eighth grade graduation 12th grade graduation uh preschool graduation tonight. Um, so that's pretty much my world uh, for the next two weeks. A lot of graduation parties. So, um, and then I will head to Name Summit. Um, if you have the time, Ivan, I hope to see you there. And um, I would love an excuse to go to Valencia again someday. So uh, I hope Name Summit uh, has a few more out, out, out there. So, I mean, name, Name's Con, what? <laughs> Or to Lisbon. Yeah, or to Lisbon. And, and Drew just arrived there today. And Giuseppe, when are you going out to dinner with him? Um, Friday. All right, all right. Well, start taking vitamin B12 now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm so grateful that you came on. Um, uh, I want to say to our Sherpa Network, um, if you found educational benefit um, from this show, please take a few moments. Post a quick comment to thank our Sherpas. And, um, and also uh, click on the, the Twitter to share it. It's, you know, as we see this industry grow, this ecosystem grow, we also have our part in, in sharing that with others. And this report is so um, empirical. It really can help people who think that domain values are just um, anything but. Um, so I will include a link below this video to downloading the report for yourself. Um, and if, um, if any of our Sherpa network have questions about the report or anything we discussed today, feel free to post them in the comments. I know, and I thank you, Ivan and Giuseppe, you've always been so great about coming back and answering, um, so many of the questions and comments from our viewers. So, um, thank you. Thank you, Ivan. Uh, oh, I gotta say it again. Ivan Raskasov. <laughs> And Giuseppe Graziano um, for coming on the Domain Sherpa show, sharing your knowledge of domain name liquid market, and for being Domain Sherpas um, for others. Thank you. Thank you, Tess. Thank you for having us, Tess. Yeah, what, what a treat. So thank you all for watching. We'll see you next time.